Alright, so these are the seven teams that are currently in the playoff mix for the AFC. We got the Ravens, the Dolphins, yeah. Chiefs, yep. Jaguars, Browns, Steelers, and the Colts right now are the seventh seed in the AFC. Yep, yep. So for the NFC, we got the Niners, the Cowboys, the Lions, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Philadelphia Eagles, Minnesota Vikings, and at seven is the Packers at six and seven. The reason I'm telling all these stats is because I think that teams that are going to be in the playoffs, they're important, man. Like, they are important for who you want to invest in moving forward for fantasy. And the guys on your team who are on teams that are competing, maybe it's just me, but I feel like they're going to have bigger games. Do you believe in that philosophy at all? Well, I mean, they probably have more to play for. You're not wrong. But, I mean, there's still NFL players out there that aren't necessarily in the hunt that can still get you over the hump let's say you know so i just feel like at the end of the day like it doesn't matter if you're necessarily in the playoff run or not but i mean it definitely means that you have a lot more skill around you and you know maybe the player that you have might be the reason why they're in the playoff contention like a tyreek hill or you know if you have like a jalen hurts who seems to be putting the eagles over the top some weeks hey welcome back to another episode of fantasy football with gumbo my name is Ja. hey you know this dude over here what's going on folks and what Duo kind of just explained is true. I mean, having those important impact players on good teams is how you want to build not only your fantasy teams, but those are the guys you want in the starting lineups for the playoffs. Yeah, dude. Like, I saw – so there's a team that uh, that I'm going to probably have to face at some point in the playoffs, right? And their first – or they're, like, stack, well, not stacked, but, like, the two people that they have that have taken over the top, like, every week – has been exactly uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Hurts. Okay. Like, it, it's crazy. Like, if you have people who are on those playoff contention teams, those teams that consistently score and can consistently, you know, blow out teams, obviously your team is going to be in a better state than, you know, if you were to have, you know, like a team that may have drafted Nick Chubb at the start of the year. Like, you're probably not doing too well. So, exactly. Like it's just like those teams that you know, like you, if you haven't uh, had too many injuries, if you've been able to adapt and overcome those injuries, and you know, if you can get like a decent stack, like if you have like a Tua Tyreek stack, like you're probably doing really fucking good, guys. If you've had a healthy team, you're probably in the playoffs. Like that's just really what it is. Like sometimes fantasy football, especially in bigger leagues, and I'm talking leagues like twelve teamers, fourteen teams, sixteen teams. If your team just stays healthy, you got a good chance at making the playoffs. And you talked about two guys who arguably are fighting for MVP right now and, you know, I'm saying uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Hurts. Right. I would be scared of them, too. Uh, so when it comes to the playoffs, it's a really big time for us to make important lineup decisions. This week, we might even have some folks tapping in who don't normally listen. Uh, Dugo, I, do, I guess, like, do you have any specific playoff philosophy what would you tell someone if it was their first time making the playoffs in their fantasy league? How would you tell them how to act? Well, I mean, I think it's as easy as what we've been trying to state the last couple weeks, especially when you're trying to go through the buys and all that stuff. What's that? Start your studs. I mean, like that's really all you need to do. Unless you have someone who unfortunately may have gotten hurt this past week, those being like uh, Justin Herbert or, you know, maybe – it's up in the air about uh, Jacobs right now, 
Josh Jacobs for the uh, running back for the Raiders. Yeah, he got knocked out last week. Yeah, he has a quad injury, it looks like. So we'll see. And especially even Tyreek Hill. You know, like you have a stud like him who might have an ankle injury who has to go get scans to see if there's anything wrong with his ankle. Like, that's a little iffy, bro. Like, so, like, if you have one of those cats, like, you might have to start looking for some backup plans. So, I mean, like, unfortunately, you're pretty much into the thick of it. And there's not a lot of people out there that are really going to be on the waiver wire. But if you do need, like, a backup for a quarterback, I'm definitely going with Joe Flacco. Really? Yeah, bro. I am I'm hunstruck on Joe Flacco and Matt Stafford right now. Like, those are, like, my two guys that I think I would go with if I had some sort of quarterback injury or controversy that I was going through. Let's talk about the Cleveland Browns because I just heard they lost one of their tackles, uh, Jedrick Wills. Oh, no way, yeah. bro. That sucks. Damn. So they lost a really important piece in terms of pass protection. Uh, Joe Flacco had a crazy week last week, though. Yeah. For fantasy, if y'all don't follow Joe Flacco, um, Flaconomics is what I call Joe Flacco when he plays a, fo- a football game. But Flaconomics are volatile. And uh, he had a pretty good game last week. He ended the week. As one of the higher scoring positional players, he went 45 attempts, 26 completions for three touchdowns, one pick. QB 10 on the on the week. Yeah, bro. I'll take that any week, especially if I'm going into the playoffs, dog. Like, will you a- will you play him in week 15? I yeah. Who's he playing? He plays the Chicago Bears. Yeah, I'm fucking playing him. Yeah, I'm fucking playing him. Yeah, dude, I'm playing him. Dugo hates. The Bears. Dude, if there's one team out in the stratosphere that I hate more than anything, it's the fucking Chicago Bears, folks. They're the worst fucking team franchise that's ever become a thing. Ever. So, okay. You talked about two players. You talked about two players. And one of them was Flacco with the Flaconomics. Yeah, with the Browns. Uh, With the Browns. Uh, Matt Stafford on the Rams was your second quarterback, and he gets the Washington Commanders this week. Yeah, bro. Who's the better play between Washington Commanders and Matt Stafford or Joe Flacco versus the Chicago Bears? You know, that's going to be a little tough just because, I mean, both I mean, both are going to be, I feel like, taken advantage of. But if I had to pick one exactly, I think it would be Matt Stafford against those Commanders. That's what I'm thinking. And I actually play against Kyron Williams in one of my week one matchups for okay. the playoffs. Okay. And I'm worried, Dugo. I'm stressed out. Like, Why Ky- that? Kyron's really fucking good, dude. Like, he's potentially the playoff MVP. And when I look at his production over the past, what has it been now, three weeks? I mean, yeah, ever since he got back from IR. He's scored over 75 fantasy points. Yeah, bro, he's pretty sick. I have him in a league, and uh, I'm so happy I grabbed him. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I got him off waivers. So this is one of the easiest matchups he's had since he came back in week 12 versus the Cardinals rush defense. Now, if you're looking at Sleeper and you're familiar with Sleeper, you know that Sleeper ranks matchups in terms of, you know, a green matchup is cake, an orange matchup is kind of mid-sized, and the red matchups are the ones you want to stay away from. So green is good, orange is okay, red is bad. The last green matchup Kyron Williams had was week 12 against the Cardinals where he had 18 carries for 143 yards and six catches for 61 and two touchdowns in the air. Um, 37 points, week 12 RB1, week 15 he gets the commanders. That's a game where he's supposed to get a lot of run. 
when you're in a situation in which you're playing studs, and I'm talking like the Christian McCaffrey's, the Kyron Williams of the world, what's your strategy in terms of being the underdog? Like, are you just finding some motherfucker on waivers that you think might go get 30? Or are you just playing it safe with the guys who might have got you there, but they're not as explosive per se? Well, you're there for a reason, folks, all right? Any team can win any given weekend, especially in fantasy football, all right? So at the end of the day, like I said, start your studs. Don't overthink it, you know? Just make sure that, you know, like if you do have players who are hurt that you need to replace, like I said, like if you have like a Justin Herbert or something, obviously you need to go replace him with someone on the wire because you typically don't have a backup quarterback. At least typically for me, I don't. So yeah. I'm just saying like, yo, like go pick up someone like that. Otherwise, start the studs. Start the people that have gotten you there. Like there's a reason why like I have a good uh, thought about starting someone like a Curtis Samuel of all people. I mean, you just stated it. I mean, he's it's going to be, you know, like, it's going to be a high-scoring affair, I feel like, between those commanders and the Rams. Yeah. And so, high-scoring affairs, those wide receivers, especially the speedy ones like Curtis Samuel, who do just about everything, they're going to go out and they're going to score points. Like, it's just one of those things, dog. Like, it, you just mentioned it about the matchup keys within Sleeper. Like, if you have a Sleeper account and if you're able to take advantage of, you know, which defenses might be on the uh, slumps, which ones might be playing super well, and by those matchup colors, it's, it really helps. Uh, and if you can identify better matchups than the ones that, you know, if you have, shoot, let, let's think of a good example. Like, one one example I'll never think is good. Let's just get this straight. Like, I don't think that the event, or I don't think that the Eagles are really the 32 or 32nd uh, best defense in the NFL. They're the 31st. Like, uh, I, I don't believe that has defense matchup. For... As far as Reiki's, I don't believe that shit, if I'm going to be honest. Like, I, I'm going to be a little, I'm going to keep that one too close to my chest. Like, I don't care what the rankings say. I don't think they're that bad, if I'm going to be honest. Nonetheless. What does that mean, though? Like, I mean, are you. Like, I'm fading a little bit. I You're really fading am. the guys who played the Eagles these next three weeks in the playoffs? A little bit more than I typically would. Like. If it's, like, a green matchup, typically. Like, if it's, like, a team that I have a lot of respect for. Like, I'm sorry, but, like, the Eagles, if they get on a roll, especially offensively, they're going to be draining the fuck out of the clock. And so that means that your offensive players typically don't have a lot of time to go score points. They don't have that many opportunities. So right. They, they force it with the few they get. Right, exactly. So, like, you can play that the way that you will. And so maybe... Like, if you have, like, a wide receiver, they might get, like, a deep shot. But, like, that's what you're banking on, typically, is, like, one big deep shot that goes for a toddy. You get, like, a 13-point play or something. But, I mean, obviously, they'll take you over the edge. But I'm not sure if that's necessarily worth the risk in some cases if you have other plays that could be better. You know, like, if you have, uh, you know, like, a Puka or someone like that going against the Commanders. What I'll say for the Eagles is that they are so good. A lot of teams have to catch up in the fourth quarter and try to, you know, like keep yeah. up in points because the Eagles are good enough to pull away from you. So when it comes to their actual pass defense, for record, the Eagles have the most pass attempts uh, attempted versus their team. Mm -hmm. They have 522 pass attempts, which ultimately tells me, hey, if you're first in terms of pass attempts that your defense has to, you know, do the job against you're probably up by a lot relatively often. Yeah. So a lot of them being 31st 
in pass defenses due to they play soft coverage and prevent coverage in the fourth quarter to prevent big plays from happening. Right. So I say all that to say, I kind of agree with you, but if I'm, let's say... Like, unless I'm stuck between, like, a rock and a hard place, like I said, like, I just don't see the... Kyler Murray gets the Philadelphia Eagles in the championship week, week 17. Do you feel confident starting someone like a Kyler Murray and or a Trey McBride against the Eagles that week? That's a little tough, but, I mean, maybe Trey McBride just because of the sheer fact that, you know, you're more reliant upon some of their linebackers that have been a little bit more sketch lately. And I feel like they typically do a little bit more with blitz packages, so sometimes you get a mismatch with those tight ends. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, I wouldn't be going in there, like, expecting Trey McBride to come out with, like, 15, even 12 that week. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm assuming, I'm, I'm hoping to get, like, an 8. Okay. And like eight for a tight end would be solid. Exactly. Like I'm, I'm, a, I'm hoping he's gonna get his receptions and everything. Like I said, I think Kyler's good enough to play matchups and you know key on people. Uh, Trey McBride seemed to be one of those guys he can key on. So I just feel like end of the day he would be able to withstand that. But there's just a lot of people out there. Like the Eagles, I think just have a better defense than what is being shown right now. Mm-hmm. Like I, they played like four of the best teams in a row. Like I think that their defense just kind of took a little bit of a hit. How do you feel about James Cook going into the playoff push? Because he had a really big game in week 14, 22 points. Bro, I have been so happy with James Cook ever since they got rid of that piece of shit offensive coordinator. What happened to Leonard Fournette? Bro, it don't matter. It don't matter because this Joe Brady guy... Ever since he's taken over for these cats, James Cook has had over 100 scrimmage yards every time. Every time. I think that's four or five straight games. This guy has just been going off the way he's supposed to be doing as a second-round pick. Like, this guy is absolutely amazing, and I'm so happy that I fucking kept this motherfucker. He's a league winner. He's a league winner. James Cook is dank! He does everything, dog. He's dank, dude. The last four weeks, he's gone over 100 scrimmage yards, which is great. That's still 10 points no matter how you slice it. And if it's catches and you're in a PPR or a half PPR league, you are benefiting from those catches. Sure are. James Cook is a monster. He's on a team that's resurging. The Bills just beat the Chiefs, which is like a big win for them. Yep. And they're going to go ahead and feed off that energy for the rest of the year. Yep. James Cook, in bad weather, playing in Buffalo... He gets a game in which they're going to want to keep the ball against Dallas. They're going to want to – they'll probably dominate the Chargers in week uh, 16. And they're probably going to dominate the Patriots, a division rival they play in week 17, which is the Shiva. James Cook might have two of the three easiest matchups over the next two of three weeks. Uh, I think he's a league winner. And I'm not saying that because you have him. I'm not saying that because – I necessarily believe he's going to be like a dominant dynasty running back moving forward. But he just has the matchups over these next few weeks, and he's seen the opportunity to boost him into RB1 territory. Well, all of that, plus I just feel like there's also been some sort of, uh, you know, like rebrand with Josh Allen where he's more able to take his check down and be happy with it, it seems like. Yep. So I think that there's been something that's been reprogrammed with him that makes it a little bit easier for him. 
uh, or I'm sorry, in, in general, it would be easier for James Cook to get points. But I think it's easier for Josh Allen to realize those checkdowns as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, do you have any other – do you have any guys that you have just been looking forward to this uh, – for, like, this playoff push or anything? Evan Ingram. Bro, Evan Ingram has been going off lately. Like, he had one bad game recently. But other than that, he's been just been going off. For reference, y'all, over the last two weeks, Evan Ingram has had 20 catches on 21 targets. Yeah. 20 of 21. He's missed one catch over the last two weeks, both weeks with Trevor Lawrence, who doesn't seem all too affected from that high ankle injury. Not necessarily. I mean, he's still just, you know, he's pushing the ball down the field. And, you know, you have a big body uh, tight end like Evan Ingram, who pretty much plays like a wide receiver. I mean, he's showing you why you drafted this guy a little earlier this year. Um, and I'm, I'm happy for doing it, man. I mean, I think he's wide receiver or tight end five right now, which I'll take that, bro. I'll take that. Now, what's interesting about Evan Ingram is that over the next three weeks, Dugo, he plays a lot of good linebackers. Linebackers are the primary, I don't know if this is a word, but coverers, the coverers of the tight ends. In week 15, he gets the Baltimore Ravens, linebacker university. Week 16, he gets the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Hello, Tampa Bay Buccaneers linebackers, Devin White. And week 17, he gets the Carolina Panthers, a.k.a. the home of Brian Burns. Does that scare you for his playoff matchups, even though he has 20 catches, even though he has almost 47, 45 fantasy points over the last few weeks? Uh... The only one that necessarily gives me a little bit of uh, scary, I would say, is the Ravens, just because you named it. I mean, they have Roquan Smith and all these other cats that are there. I mean, it is a little daunting, but... Athletic linebackers. Who yeah, but I think at the end of the day, like they're going to be able to get the players open that they want to be able to get open. Uh, I mean, when you just look at all the talent on that field for that team, I just feel like you can spread them out a little bit and... I hate to say it, but I think that Evan Ingram might be more athletic than Roquan Smith and the other linebackers that they have in that core. And he's definitely taller than him, so I think that he'll be able to get some sort of an advantage. And, you know, if he needs to get up and get touchdowns, I think he has the ability to do so. Does the Buccaneers with a, you know, like a Devin White, Levante David, Shaq Barrett, do those guys scare you for Evan Ingram's tight end production in Week 16? No, just because I feel like Devin White is more of a downhill linebacker. Or, honestly, that whole core is more downhill linebackers. Pass rush. Yeah, they're pass rush and they're run-blocking guy or they're run-killing guys. They don't necessarily do all that much in coverage, but they do have Antonio Winfield Jr., who is really good. So, don't get me wrong on that. Yep. But it's one of those things that... They just, I, I don't know if those guys are athletic enough to, you know, cover or get this guy covered enough to, you know, just blanket him the whole game. I just think that Ingram is going to be able to get open, and he's shown to be able to do that the last few weeks specifically. Well, what's interesting about the Buccaneers is they run like a 4 3 defense. So if, I mean, you guys, this is super basic for football. But four threes, basically, four linemen, three linebackers, a couple cornerbacks out there, a couple safeties back there, keeping things safe. Uh, but the primary focus of their four three is to do somewhat of like a Tampa two alignment, 
Right. So a Tampa two alignment basically means that the middle linebacker is responsible for pass coverage and they typically drop back an additional five to 10 yards from where they are. So in comparison to the line of scrimmage, they're about 20 yards deep. And when you look at like the Buccaneers, you look at their middle linebacker situation. I think that's white. Yeah. He's a dog. He's athletic. He's dropping back. Now the Jaguars in terms of like a matchup, they lost Christian Kirk. So he's not out playing like the exposition. Uh, running deep routes. It's more so like Calvin Ridley has stepped into that X. Yeah. Uh, on the other side of him, you have Zay Jones, who plays like the Z. And in the slot, they're kind of making up ground for the loss of Christian Kirk. I apologize for saying Christian Kirk was a wide receiver one. He's more of the slot. No, you're good. But I feel like they have made up some ground with this Parker Washington kid, though. So where you lose Christian Kirk in the slot, you try to regain his value with the Evan Ingram. I mean, would you agree? Well, sure. I definitely think that he's made up some ground that way for sure. But, I mean, we've also seen a resurgence with this Parker Washington kid. He's a rookie out of Penn State. He's a big kid, too. Yeah, he's definitely a bigger body kid. The one knock that I had on the guy was his uh, 40 time. I think he ran like a 4.7 or something ridiculous like that. Uh But, I mean, he made so many big plays at Penn State. And, you know, he just has sticky hands. Like, I'll just say it. He's not big. He's 5'10", but he, he's 212, too. So he has some size to him. Yeah. So, you know, like, no, I guess... He's just a, he's, I, pause me, but he's a thicker wide receiver. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, like, he's, he's really like a slot wide receiver. He really is. The only reason I said all that bullshit before was because Evan Ingram is going to be their primary middle-of-the-field target. And when you talk about Week 16 against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, even though we'll talk about that next week, um, it does concern me a little bit because I know Devin White to be a pretty like halfway decent pass coverage linebacker. And if he's just going to keep an eye on Evan Ingram the whole week, I'm a little worried about it. But we'll see if that usage continues this week with Trevor Lawrence, who's on one healthy ankle. And he's... Well, it won't happen this week. The Packers have the Buccaneers this week. We'll see what happens with that with Evan Ingram this week, though. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, they still. I mean, I still got to make the next round to begin with. Mm-hmm. But hey, bro, it don't matter about the Bucks right now. It matter about who they playing next. James Conner versus the Niners. Who you got? Bro, I that might be a sit for me. You think so? It might be, bro. I know. Last time when they're playing the Niners, we had the discussion as well, and the only thing that really salvaged that game for him was I think he got a garbage time tutty at the end. I don't even think he got a tutty last time I, he played the Niners. I think he did. Did he? I think he did. Let me pull it up. I know I had it somewhere. So we're talking about James Conner versus the San Francisco 49ers. Niners have a great defense. There is a report that right now Eric Armstrong, their defensive tackle, might miss this game. And there's also another report that their other uh, defensive tackle, Hargrave, may miss this game. So their interior defensive line might be sitting out so the uh, last time around going against the 49ers he did not unfortunately have a touchdown he went 11 carries for 52 averaging 4.7 and he had two receptions for four yards or two targets one catch for four yards i think that improves because they got kyler now instead of josh dobbs probably yeah but when i look at this and when i kind of bring back to the fact that hey they might miss Hargrave, they might miss Eric Armstrong, two like really good defensive tackles. 
Uh, if you're subbing those guys out, Javon Kenwell has been playing pretty decent ball recently, but if you're talking about James Conner now having more lanes up the gap, up the middle of the field, up the middle of the line, shit, I mean, that's a weaker defensive line than what he played earlier this year. Right, and I mean... And he has a better quarterback now, and Kyler compared to Josh Dobbs. Correct, yeah. So, I mean, you do have to split him out a little bit more just because... You have to cover all your angles with Kyler, otherwise he's going to try to burn you. So, yeah, you're not wrong with that. I think he does have a better performance than what he did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, like, right on that verge of start, don't start. I mean, hearing all those injuries makes it a little bit more probable for me to start him. Um, but it just it's tough just because that's such a good defense that we've seen just suffocate the run lately. Let me ask you a question, starter sit. Uh, would you rather starter? Would you rather start or sit? No, fuck that. Let me just rephrase this. Uh, Brandon Cooks versus the Buffalo Bills or James Conner versus the Niners? Buffalo Bills defense is middle of the pack when it comes to pass defense, so they're like. In James thir- Cook versus the Niners. No, uh, James Conner. I'm sorry. James versus okay. versus San Francisco's uh, defense. Realistically, I might have to go Brandon Cooks on that. I mean, especially if you're in any sort of PPR or half PPR league for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are, sure. Where are you leaning on that? Because I probably lean Cooks, unfortunately. I mean, I love Connor. I absolutely love James Connor, and Brandon Cooks kind of bit me in the ass this past week starting him. But at the end of the day, like, Dak has been so on fire lately, and. It just takes one game for them to start keying on uh, C.D. Lamb for him to just go over to the other side of the field and just pepper Brandon Cooks like he has. Would you rather have the fourth option in a great offense or the second option in a bad offense? That's the question because for Brandon Cooks' situation in Dallas, he has C.D. Lamb, Jake Ferguson, and Tony Pollard ahead of him in opportunity share. Right. But if you look at the Cardinals, James Conner might be 1A or 1B, competing maybe with Trey McBride at this point. But the Cardinals are not that great of an offense. They're playing a great defense. Do you start Brandon Cooks, who can go out there and get you three to four catches and 80 yards and maybe a touchdown? Yeah, probably Cooks, bro, if or, I'm going to be honest. But do you do you start Conner, who might get 15 touches? I'm probably going to go with Cooks. I mean, I might regret it, but I'm probably going to go with Cooks. Uh, just like I said, bro, like at the end of the day, I mean, Connor can go out there and he can get PPR as well. Don't get me wrong. But I just think at the end of the day, uh, Brandon Cooks has more of a possibility to go out there and, you know, score a bunch of points. Do you base that off of just pure, like, talent per individual or do you base that more so off of the offense? I'm pretty much basing that off of when I look at the 49er defense and – they have numbers, all right? They have numbers regardless. Like, everyone that's on that team is well-coached, and it doesn't matter if a couple of their star players are out. They're still going to play very sound defense um, compared to a Bills team that, you know, they might be a little bit up on their high horse. They may, they just came off of a great win. Um, but it's just one of those things that, at the end of the day, like, the Cowboys are great, and I just think that, you're going to have someone having the key on C.D. Lamb, which is probably going to be Rasul Douglas. 
and you're going to have another person, you know, just playing the other side of the field. And I just think that Brandon Cooks can take advantage of pretty much anyone else on that team. You know what's interesting? What's up? Uh, I'm going to go Connor. And the reason I'm going to go Connor is because of a stat I like to refer to when I'm making quarterback decisions. Okay. When I'm making wide receiver decisions, and that's a pressure rate. How often does your defensive line create pressure against my quarterback? When I look at the San Francisco 49ers in terms of their edge pass rushers, so we're talking about the Boses of the world, they don't have a guy on the San Francisco defense that's top 20, and there's only 32 teams. They don't have an edge rusher that's great at pass rush this season. When it comes to defensive tackle, uh, they have Javon Hargrave, who ranks 7 out of the first 20, and he's out. Eric Armstrad is 11 out of the 20 in terms of pass rush win rate for defensive tackles. And he's also out. The only pass rush that San Francisco generates is from their interior defensive linemen. Once again, that being Javon Hargrave and Eric Armstrad. And both those guys are projected to miss this week with injury, which ultimately leads to Kyler Murray having more time in the pocket. Now, Michael Wilson's projected to come back as a receiving option for the Cardinals. And they have Trey McBride, who gets a ton of targets. James Conner might get some extra run because the linebackers and the DBs are going to have to play deeper pass coverage if their line's not getting pressure. Uh, but I guess after hearing those stats, does that change your decision at all between Brandon Cooks and James Conner? No, just because at the end of the day, the 49ers still have Nick Bosa and uh, Chase Young. Like, I'm sorry, that that defensive line stacked. So at the end of the day, I like I said, it's gonna be tough, and I might end up eating it. But I'm gonna Chase go. Young. I'm sorry, not to cut you off, but Chase Young is actually 13th amongst edge rushers. So they do have one edge rusher who's pretty good. But like the thing is, is that defense isn't necessarily built for one guy to be the guy. You know, like they're supposed to be stout overall. So, like, you might have some guys that might have off weeks, but it's the sheer fact that you have Nick Bosa on one side and Chase Young on the other side. Like, that's what makes it so daunting, you know? So, at the end of the day, that's why I just go Cooks over Connor. Just, I don't want to deal with that mess. If you need a streamer this week in terms of running back or wide receiver, same positions as James Connor and Brandon Cooks. Uh, are there any guys on the waiver wire that you might be taking a look at? Because, you know, Wondell Robinson had a pretty good game Monday night against the Packers. Over 120 receiving yards. Is there a guy, and I think I might have asked you this earlier, uh, in terms of like your philosophy for starting players, but I mean, is there a waiver wire guy who might crack your lineup if you're a bottom seed and you need some you need some help? I mean, there's not, a, like I said before, there's not going to be a lot of guys that are going to be that serviceable on the waiver wire. I mean, much right now, if you ask me, at least like realistically, there's a couple people that you could be looking at. One of them's Demarcus Robinson. He's been getting a little bit more hype lately from the Rams, but I mean, otherwise, like you could go with like a Darius Slay or if you like Wandale Robinson, but realistically bro like i'm not all on that realistically mm-hmm. um another guy i mean nick westbrook akine from the titans he's been decent 
the last couple weeks, it seems like he's been getting more receptions. Last night, he missed a touchdown uh, just barely, it seemed like. So, it seems like they're trying to target him more. Yep. But, bro, like, there's... It's uh, at the end of the day, folks. Like I don't want to be that guy, but my guess is going to be almost as good as yours when you're looking at a couple of these guys that are projected like five or so points. Like it's realistically just looking at some of those matchups. Like a Quez Watkins might be decent, you know. Like he's like the wide receiver four for the Eagles, but he's going against a Seahawks team that isn't great right now in the secondary for some reason. Like it's kind of weird. So, it's just one of those things. Like, you just got to pick some matchups that you think might uh, pop off. Question for you if you got Tyreek Hill and you're in the playoffs. Uh, I mean, he's day-to-day right now with his ankle injury. It yeah. looks like it might be a big injury. Are you, like, with the potential of him but maybe being a decoy or maybe not getting the same workload as he usually gets in Week 15, are you starting Tyreek Hill if they say that he's a go? Or do you put in a guy who's... Sitting on your bench. I'm starting Tyreek Kill on my deathbed and on his deathbed as well. Gotta ask you. I yeah, gotta bro. Ask. It, it, if he's projected to start, I don't care what limitations it says he might have. I'm starting that motherfucker. Gotta ask. Because there's people in that real life situation. Uh, all right. So Tyreek Kill, Dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple guys that I think are dogs on wide receivers. Or I guess four wide receivers. I'm going back to our conversation we just had, Dugo. Cardinals, Niners. Okay. The defensive tackles are projected to maybe miss the game. Eric Armstrad, you know, Hargrave. If that is the case and they miss the game and the Niners now need to generate more pass rush using their linebackers, that could leave room in the middle of the field if they have to utilize their linebackers to get more pressure. Good. And if y'all know anything about Drew Petzing and the Cardinals offense. Oh, Drew Petzing being the offensive coordinator. Uh, They run a West Coast style of offense. West Coast styles of offense is something we've gone deep into here on Gumbo. But that's essentially where you have receivers running in routes. They're running routes in the middle of the field. And you have one guy who's a deep shot. Typically for the Cardinals, it's Marquise Brown. Don't know if Marquise is going to be available. I'm sure they'll find someone to sub out there. But Rondale Moore and Michael Wilson, who's projected to return, are two receivers I like a lot. It's just one of those situations in which, hey, the Niners might be missing some defensive tackles. They play a style of offense in which they utilize their defensive tackles a lot. And if they can't get pass rush out of those guys, maybe they use the linebackers, and that opens up some easy passes for Kyler. Uh, to go ahead and give Rondale Moore and Michael Wilson some opportunity and some targets in the middle of the field. We'll see what happens with those. Those are two guys I like going into week 15. That's crazy. Just against a stout defense like that. Against that, a stout defense. but crazy. That's a crazy offense too. And at some point, if that offense explodes like they did last time, Last time the Niners played the Cardinals, CMC had four touchdowns. Yeah, but like after a while, then they just start running the clock, and it just becomes a shorter game. But then the Cardinals have to play catch up, and you got to pass the ball now. Yeah, I mean, someone's got to catch it. Right? No, I get it, but I mean, you can also drop those balls a lot as well. If like, there's no Marquise Brown, Michael Wilson doesn't eat. Rondell Moore don't eat. Trey McBride's gonna get his targets. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, I mean, you got to pass it to someone else too. 
Yeah, I, I I get where you're I get where you're coming from. That's just a that's a good defense to bat big performances against. I'm not saying Kyler's gonna be a dog. I got Kyler as a low end QB one. I have James Conner as a low end RB two. Okay. Uh, Michael Wilson is somebody that I think you can start in your flex because I think he's gonna step in and play the X role, especially if Marquise Brown is out. And because of the style of offense, I don't think he's gonna be the deep threat. So he's gonna get a lot of end breaking middle of the field catches against a team that might miss their, you know, two best defensive tackles for, you know, pass rush. And they might have to supplement that by letting their linebackers rush, which would once again leave the middle of the field open for uh, Michael Wilson. Rondell Moore, all he does is routes directly behind the line of scrimmage after the pass rush is there. All right. Well, let me ask you about a team that's still relevant in the playoffs, unlike the Cardinals. Sorry about it. No, you're good, bro. But let me ask you about this team real quick. So we've seen a team lately that they just can't get any sort of real kick at wide receiver, that being the Chiefs. You got Rasheed Rice, you got Justin Watson, you got Kadarius Tony, who's a complete fuck-up, and you have all these other cats like Sky Moore, MVS. Are you taking any of these guys for chance in the playoffs outside of maybe Rasheed Rice? Give me Rasheed Rice, obviously. And if there's another guy on that offense, it's obviously Travis Kelsey. Uh, you, okay, well, he wasn't in the option. for. I left him out of that. I left him completely out of that. Who um, else are you taking? Though? Like, Do you trust like a Justin Watson at all? I'm not starting any of those guys if I'm in the playoffs. You should not be in the playoffs and be starting those guys. If you are starting someone like an MVS, hoping for him to get a deep touchdown, I'm not saying that it's impossible. But, like, that's not, like, that's, like, MVS is going to get you one good game out of the next three. Maybe. Maybe two. He's not going to get you three or three. It's not going to happen. He's not that good. If you're starting MVS in the playoffs at this point, go get Wondell Robinson. Stack up on the easy completions. Tommy DeVito is a great, competent quarterback. The Giants still have a chance at making the playoffs if they win out the rest of the year. After a big Packer win, they're probably going to fulfill that, maybe. And they have Darren Waller coming back, which is going to ease up Wandale a little bit. I'm not starting MVS. I'm not starting Sky Moore. I'm not starting Justin Ross, who's actually, I think, I don't even know if he can play. Justin Watson. Well, there's Justin Ross and Watson. Not really starting either of them. I think it goes to Travis Kelsey, Rasheed Rice, and whoever the running back is. Right. The biggest Chiefs question for me, Dugo, is what's good with Isaiah Pacheco, and do I start CEH if I have him in my lineup? What do you think? Oh, yeah. I, I think he's at least worth a flex if you don't have much for flex positions, you know? Um, Clyde think, Edwards Hilaire? Yeah, Clyde, yeah. Like, if just because, I mean, he's a running back, he's not going to get as much PPR as, you know, if you have, like, a mid-tier wide receiver that you could throw there. But I still think that if Pacheco wasn't going to be playing, there's still a lot of that offense that needs to happen through the ground that hasn't happened yet. And so I assume that they're going to try to get, you know, Clyde as comfortable as they can. You know, obviously they've been kind of down that guy for a couple weeks or even years now. Um, but they're going to have to try to trust him if they're going to be starting him. And so um, who, who are the Chiefs playing this week? Uh, the Chiefs are playing the Patriots this week. So, yeah, bro, like this might be a good game for them to start to try to get that run established with this kid if they're going to try to lean on him going into the playoffs. But realistically, bro, if there's a running back that I want on my team from the Chiefs during this playoff run, Jarek McKinnon. 
Okay. Jarek McKinnon is always going to fucking get you a touchdown or two during this rush, guys. Like, this guy is absolutely crazy when it comes down this stretch. And especially if Pacheco's going to be out for some sort of reason, they're going to realize that, that they need that third down style back in the backfield more often than, you know, a CEH. So, if you do need someone, you know, maybe go out and see if Jarek McKinnon's available. Guys, I'm going to give a shout-out real quick. I'm going to give a shout-out to my guy Dugo right now. What? And I'm going to give a shout-out to Dugo because he's done something that I haven't seen done a lot. We both have played fantasy football for a really long time, uh, going on 10 years now, so 20 years between the two of us. Dugo joined our 14-man redraft league about two to three years ago, so this is our third season, I want to say. In the last three seasons, Dugo's finished no lower than the number two seed in our 14-man I finished once as the four or four or five playoffs, three or three years, yeah. top, top seed at that 14 team league, 18 playoffs. It's varied between seven to eight over the last few years. I'm going to be real. Like when it comes to fantasy breakdowns, when it comes to fantasy analysis, my job is to be here as the guy who gives you guys the stats, the numbers, the shit that's supposed to make sense. If you're quantitative like that. Dugo's the guy who's going to go ahead and give you the opinions and he's going to give you what he sees on the field. Uh, he's played a little bit more football than me, so he'll let you know how motherfuckers feel when they're actually going through a lot of the motions. Both played football, both play fantasy, both love fantasy more than anything, and we both want to do nothing more than help you guys beat the motherfuckers in y'all leagues, in your home leagues preferably. And we want to be a voice of uh, inspiration for you. Especially those office leagues as well. Those office leagues where you guys need to get a dub at, where you might be in a league with your boss or your manager. You got to get the dubs in those leagues too, folks. We're here to help with those as well. I don't know if you guys listen every week. Don't know if this is something you only tap into when you need the advice. But um, my guy, my my shout out is for Dugo, and it's because this motherfucker apparently knows something that gets him into the playoffs every year. So he's somebody that y'all should be taking more seriously, listening to more. And I'm just here to be the fucking host. I got stats, I got numbers. I try my best. I hope you don't hate me too much, but I'm here to I'm I'm here to provide some direction for the for the, for the show. Um, so with all that being said, I got a couple more questions I want to ask because I know some of our viewers at home have players on their teams that are in weird predicaments. There's like 14 quarterbacks who are not starting that initially were. Bro, we forgot all about CJ Stroud being out. I, he's going to be out with that concussion for sure this week. Tank Dell and Nico Collins are also out and Dalton Schultz is questionable. The fuck do you do if you have Texans? I mean, that's a loaded question just because... Unless you have people that you might have stashed on your bench just along the season. I mean, if you have, if you're in a position where you need to fill a Dalton Schultz shoes, uh, I, I'm probably going to go with Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry, Tanner Hudson, and Logan Thomas are probably going to be my best bets. Probably sliding Logan Thomas a little bit more than the other two, if I'm going to be honest. Uh, reason for that, Hunter Henry just went off this past week. Yes, it was a Thursday night game against the Steelers. But I just feel like once quarterbacks get hot with a tight end, they just keep going to them. And especially when you have a quarterback like Bailey Zappi, who is young, pretty inexperienced for the most part. 
but looks for favorable matchups, that's their tight end, folks. Like, they're usually a few inches taller than their uh, linebacker matchups, typically faster as well. And then those safeties, they're usually much taller, and all they have to do is play positioning. So going against this Chiefs team who, they're on a downslide right now, guys. I'm not saying that the Patriots are going to beat them by any means, but I'm saying that Hunter Henry might have a performance still where he goes for 50, 60 yards and has another touchdown. Like, I think that's well within the realm of expectations for this cat. Oh, it's within the realm of possibilities. Well, expectations, honestly, for him at this point. But also when you have Tanner Hudson as well, I mean, he's going against that Minnesota defense that they have a couple decent cats, but it's a really young defense. So I would probably lean Hunter Henry if I have to go with someone. I'd go with Tanner Hudson. Really? I mean, I, I feel you, but, like, I don't know, man. Like, I want to run with that hot hand. I mean, Hunter Henry's there for a reason, and Belichick wanted him, so... Tanner Hudson averages about four targets a game, which don't sound like a lot. That's a target per quarter. Uh, But Hunter Henry averages less than that. Hunter Henry had a really big game in week 14, but Hunter Henry caught three catches and two of those went for touchdowns. Yeah, off of three targets. That's not sustainable. That's not sustainable. Next game is going to have just three catches for 27 yards, and that's going to go ahead and lose you a matchup. Hey, bro, if he has a touchdown on those 27 yards, though, that saves it. I think at tight end, it's going to sound pussy, but I'm going with the guy who's got the better floor. Realist, I don't get me wrong. Like I'm not trying to shit on that by any means. But if I already lost my tight end and I'm just trying to fill something that I want to go above and beyond my expectations if it happens, mm-hmm. I want to go with the guy who's going to give me the better touchdown upside. And if I'm going to be honest, Tanner Hudson was good when Joe Burrow was the quarterback because it seemed like they had a better connection. But I don't think he's as great of a tight end when Jake Browning's in that position. Now, if you look at it the other way around, I think that Bailey Zappi and Hunter Henry have something as far as a connection. So I think that they're going to be starting to feed that during practice a lot more often, and that's going to work into the games. That's just the way that I see it. Okay, let me ask you another question, completely unrelated to the position. Uh, Derek Carr or Desmond Ritter this week? Because those are two, I guess. Give me the matchups. Give me the matchups. Derek Carr plays the Giants, who Jordan Love just played. Yep. And Desmond Ritter plays the Carolina Panthers. Desmond Ritter. Okay. Now, Carolina Panthers' pass defense has been cool. What makes you think that Desmond Ritter is going to be better? So, it has been cool, and they have brought back J.C. Horn and a few other guys off of IR as well. So, you know, they might get in their bag and everything. But that Giants team is kind of on a roll right now. Like, not saying that they're playing out of, like, you know, like they're playing out of their heads or anything, but... You know, like they're sustaining something, and if there's something that the Saints have done all year, it's not sustained anything. Yeah. So I'm just thinking that if I have to roll with some sort of momentum, I don't want to go with the team that center hates their quarterback. Like if you saw the virtual video or the viral video that was out earlier this week where uh, Derek Carr was yelling at one of his linemen, that was his center. I don't want that in my life at all. Bro, I don't. Like Derek, I thought Derek Carr was gonna have a really great year. Oh, dude, I thought he was gonna have a career year. I thought he was gonna resurge into the Saints system, and it's been nothing but an utter disappointment. He's a sell on every level. 
He's a sell in Dynasty. He's a sell in Redraft. The team just don't fuck with him like that, bro. Like, yeah. it's just, like, like that's just, that's just what it is. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm not trying to, like, start up more reports. But, like, just as a human being who also works, like, on a team in corporate America, like, they don't like bro like that. Right. He came out today and he said that he had three rib fractures. And I think that was supposed to be, like, some sort of, like, an excuse as to why this team's, like, borderline out in the playoffs. But it's just, like, dog, like, they don't fuck with you like that. No, that's kind of where I'm at with it as well. And so that's kind of why I'm like, other than like if you have like Chris Olave or Alvin Kamara, you know, some shit like that. Like I'm kind of just fading the Saints, unfortunately. They're going to play A.T. Perry, Rashid Shahid, and Chris Olave, who are all like, I think the tallest receiver between those three is Rashid Shahid at 6'4". Nah, A.T. Perry's 6'4", bro. He's huge. You're right. You're right. You're right. I'm bugging. <laughs> Don't listen to my opinion. Just all I got to say is he plays the Giants. Who Jordan Love just played? I don't think Jordan Love and Derek Carr are that different in terms of talent level and production. Um, Yeah, he gets the Giants this week. Giants, Blitz Heavy, Kayvon Thibodeau is kind of a dog. Not really a big... Derek Carr fan this week. I was wrong about Debo. I was wrong about Debo last week. Hey, bro. I ain't wrong about Derek Carr. Okay. Derek Carr is going to be not that great. Maybe you get two touchdowns if you're lucky. Uh, but in this situation, hmm, give me Desmond Ritter. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too, bro. And I also like Mitch Trubisky this week. Mitch Trubisky against who? Indianapolis Colts. Oh, dude, I don't know. Mr. Trubisky last week, 22 fantasy points. Bro, I don't know how he outscored Bailey Zappi. I don't get it. Like, I looked at the stats, and somehow Bailey Zappi played a hell of a game. Hey, bro, you and for- Mr. Trubisky still outscored him. You forget Mr. Trubisky's a Russian threat. Facts. Not He's wrong. a Russian threat. So, you know, he gets against a, he, he gets a good matchup. He might run the ball in against the Colts, at least one. Uh, but outside of that, the last category I really want to talk about is kickers and defense. Some of y'all play with buys. Some of y'all play with home fit advantage. But the real advantage that you get on your team is having a big week from a kicker or a defense. Last week, Matt Gay shot the bed, negative two points. Didn't like that. Uh, This week, I want to go ahead and talk about teams in terms of defensive and special teams that can give you guys a boost in your defensive position. And if I find a good kicker, like Greg Zerline, I'll share it with you. Uh, before Dougal gives his, I'll just stop with my rant so y'all ain't got to hear my voice no more. Uh, but Greg Zerline somebody that I like as a kicker. Zach Wilson showed out against Houston last week. Greg Zerline's going to probably start to get more kicking opportunities because that offense will be slightly better. In terms of defense, I like the Chargers this week. Uh, the Chargers go ahead and get the Raiders offense, which scored zero points last last week what are they gonna do score 10 that'd be supreme progression for them mm-hmm. uh give me the chargers defense this week they got a backup quarterback and they know it Eshan stick i think actually might be cool uh we'll see what happens but i do think that the chargers defense steps up and maybe wills this team to a win what about you uh yeah let me start with my defense uh, if I'm in a pinch and I need to start someone, I'm probably going to be looking at the Tennessee Titans going against the Houston Texans. 
uh, having to fill the shoes of some wide receivers, tight end, and a quarterback is going to be really tough. Uh, I expect a big game from uh, Damian Pierce, actually, this game for the Houston Texans. But I think that's going to be on the ground, and it's not going to be a bunch of points. So expect that defense to do well. Um, Cincinnati Bagels are also going to be playing the Vikings. They had Nick Mullins starting this week at quarterback. I don't think that's going to go very well. So if you're going to pinch one of those two kickers, let me get Jason Myers going against the Eagles. And also, Brandon McManus going against the goddamn Ravens. I like that. If you know anything about those two teams, like we've said, they have stellar defenses. Yes, they give up some yards sometimes, but it's a definite bend-don't-break mentality. So if they get stopped, if they get stopped at the 20, 30, 40, these teams need points against these teams, so they're going to be more inept to kick field goals, folks. You know what? Those are great names. I really like the Brandon McManus one. Uh, I also like Nick Folk, kicker for the Tennessee Titans. Yeah. He play he plays the Houston Texans, which might not have C.J. Stroud and the receivers this week. The Titans had a great week against Miami. They won that game against Miami. I don't think they're going to have like some crazy extraordinary week. I think that they're going to need a kicker to get points in order for them to win. And if Nick they... Folk was a top five kicker for a little bit this year. Nick Folk on the season, I mean, he's kicker 10. He was a top five earlier. He's a top 10 kicker, but he gets a Houston Texans team that might be without C.J. Stroud, might be without Nico Collins, might be without Dalton Schultz and Tank Dell. They're going to be without Tank Dell, but maybe Dalton Schultz too. Uh, Give me the Titans staying in a low-scoring game that they hang around with with field goals. Uh, Nick Folk, 39-year-old veteran. I think he goes ahead and uh, gets his opportunity this week. Are you gonna are you gonna call right now that Nick Folk wins the game with the field goal? Yeah. Okay. Hell yeah. Against Davis Mills. Dougie. Yeah. My name is Ja. Hey, you know what over here. Appreciate y'all tapping in with those head tops. We'll catch you guys next week. Good luck in the playoffs, and until we meet again, peace.